Now, once again, the music plays, and heralds another episode. Not just another episode, but more about that. Welcome, everyone. It's Swing Thoughts. Great to be with you on the internet. Uh, they're called podcasts. Of course, now we broadcast on TSN 1150. Always a pleasure to be along. My uh, good friend and uh, podcast golf partner, Tim O'Connor, uh, the mental performance coach for the Glen Abbey Golf Academy and uh, part of the eponymously named O'ConnorGolf.ca. And uh, welcome, everyone, to episode 100. What do you think of that? Cool. A milestone. That is cool. Didn't, I, I, I would have thought we would have run out of things to talk about by now. You know, it's funny. It's funny you say that. If you're not a golfer and you said, "Hey, we're going to do a bunch of about a hundred hours on just you know the mental performance side of a game," they'd go, "What are you going to do for the other ninety-eight? Yeah, and and I feel like we've barely scratched the surface. Oh well, wait till you hear some stories from today's show, which is brought to you by TaylorMade Golf, the number one driver in golf. And I have to tell you, these people have been so good to both of us. Uh, I want to give you a little tease. In the last seven days, I've broken three golf clubs and only one on purpose. And I was <laughs> <laughs> and I, I was at TaylorMade yesterday. I, I got there at 11, and by noon, I had a new driver. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, we could get the witnesses who were there for the other two so we could corroborate some stories here. Just relax. Uh, also brought to you by Adidas. Oh, by the way, my name is Humble Howard from the legendary Humble and Fred Show. We call it that. No one else does, but we do. Uh, as well, uh, thanks very much to Adidas. Uh, what a great outfit. And uh, once again, thanks to Bushnell, uh, the number one rangefinder in golf. Um, Tim. Yes, Howard. Timothy. Uh, I wanted to uh, hang on a second. I had something ready for you. And uh, now I have to find it. What? This is just like golf. I had this whole thing. Oh, here it is. Okay. Tim? I, I want to take now. you back to December 22nd, 2015. Welcome to uh, Swing Thoughts, the uh, only coaching mental performance program that is going to make you uh, a better golfer, it's going to make you uh, shoot lower scores, and more importantly, uh, stop hating yourself. That's the key point right there. And uh, that's how it all began, Tim, for Club That did, wow. did you hear that? I did, I did, and I, I think I only stammered once. <laughs> Um, that was that was how it began uh, three years ago. We said we'd try to lower your, your scores and have you stop hating yourself. And uh, I got to tell you, that's a tall order. By the way, we are, we're expecting a bunch of people that have been on the show in the last hundred episodes. And I can see right now that uh, Dr. Ed Collins, I think that's him. I can only see a shadow. Oh, there he is. Oh, there he is. There he is. Hey, Doc. <laughs> Good morning. There he is. Hey, Dr. Ed Collins, who is a uh, a wizard when it comes to sports psychology and training to be better. Uh, but all we need from you this morning is just to say hi. You don't need to do any work today. No, great. And thank you very much for the invite. And congratulations, guys. What an achievement. Fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah. Who knew we could break 100? Yeah. <laughs> it's great. It's great. It's great. The, um, and how are things? How are things in Toronto? Well, what you missed there, Ed, is that at the top of the show, I said to Tim, "I've got a little tease for you." I said, "In the last seven days, I've broken three golf clubs and only one on purpose." Ah! Wow! Wow! What's, what's... <laughs> now, it's. A... I, I, I'm not sure we have the time to delve into this, Ed. It, and it would be like tra traumatic. It'd be gnashing of teeth. It might be you know slamming things into pillows. You know those therapeutic devices that they use. You know. Uh, I do. I do. You know, I and I got back your email. I saw your email the other day, but I've been oh, you saw been mine on the road a bit, so I'm sorry I didn't get get back to that. I will though. I will though. Well, I told you I qualified for that uh, tournament that yes. I that I spent a, a year festering over. Uh, that's the great thing about golf is it 
it really does. I was going to use the word test you, but it really does expose you um, because no matter how hard you want something, no matter how, how hard you try for something, there is no guarantee of future results. And that's why every day you play, you, you're starting from scratch, really. You're starting from, you have to start over again every day. And that's why it's so difficult to predict. Absolutely. And even every hole, every, every hole, I think one of the biggest things that I see with with the difference between the pros and the amateurs is the an amateur will have a birdie and they get so excited it's the likelihood of them having a bogey or double bogey in the next hole or two is just so high because they're just it just takes they take their eye off the ball literally and figuratively <laughs> they just don't reset it's the, the capacity just to see every hole is just a brand new hole unconnected to the previous hole yeah, I think that's why you have the phrase FUAB. We'll leave it, leave it to people to figure out what that might stand for. What was um, the phrase? FUAB. <laughs> people can figure that out. We're on family radio now. <laughs> I, I believe it includes the F word, but what's the other part? Uh, uh, up after birdie. You know, ah. guys, I want to ask a question. I think it's harder for amateurs... Because what I see pros do, there's this one of the, my favorite stats for pros is the bounce back stat, and that's oh, yeah. what pro, I find pros are better at bouncing back after a bad hole than the rest of us because they only see the bad hole as one hole, whereas yeah. we, as you just said, Ed, we connect all the dots of a round where they don't. They're able to separate and isolate, yeah. which is I think a great takeaway from today. But it's also it's also why most amateurs and club players consistently play to their handicap. They'll find themselves better than their handicap with five, six holes to go and all of a sudden come home on their handicap because they're thinking about their handicap. They're thinking, oh my God, I'm four ahead of my handicap and I'm on the 12th. And then, oh, how did you finish? Oh, I finished on my handicap. You know? Yeah, you know, that's really interesting because something that just dawned on me that hadn't hit me before. So I talk a lot about how people define themselves by the golf scores. What they're also doing is defining them by the round, mm. by that round. How am I doing in this round as opposed to pros look generally over 72 holes or I guess 36, whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. So, they're looking at, so you're looking at this big piece rather than this small piece. So mm. don't you think the takeaway is – if we can keep that bigger picture in mind, as yeah. opposed to this hole means this, this round means this. Right. Yeah, I, I think. But again, it's it's the, that's that's the challenge. The excitement is what you know. A player, I played. I played this morning. Just played just just off the off the course, in fact. And the the guy who's playing with was one of my best mates. He was like, "I'm going to break eighty this year," you know. And 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 he's more than more than able to break 80 this guy more than able he's a really lovely short game and but it's but but as the round goes on he'll consistently say i'm three ahead of my handicap i'm four ahead of my handicap oh and as opposed to just i i played that hole well and now that's behind me and it means nothing for the next hole especially especially with the the, the lower standard players because the consistency of their shots are not is not the same as the pros, so they need to even be they need need, need to have even greater a broader spectrum for what to expect in the next hole. You know, you know, choppers like me can go a hundred yards right, or could or could go a hundred yards left. I have to make peace with either one of them. Mm-hmm. Ed, so what do you, what do you suggest to athletes of all kinds uh, when they're going along in you know a, a game, a tournament, whatever, and they're, they're they know where they stand. And now, how do you deal with that? How do you put that out of your mind so you can focus on the task at hand and not getting caught in the motion? What do you What do you teach yeah. your athletes to do? So, so the one thing is, I, I I I always tell them, let it come into your mind first. Don't try and block it. Trying to block thoughts is the biggest way of actually having them just keep coming at you. So I'll always say, I say, look, when you become aware of how well you're playing, and when you become when you see yourself in the leaderboard. Well, hopefully you'll have already done some work before and to say, well, look, I, I'm playing well, so I'm not going to be surprised if I see myself. I'm going to have those expectations of myself. So that will, first of all, prime the system for a little bit of a little bit of that. Oh, okay, great. So it's coming through. Great. I expected that. I see that. But it's also then for, to, to encourage them not to block these thoughts. 
but more to encourage them then to process the thoughts. And I work, a, I, I, I kind of work in the analogy of a filing system, just to say, okay, if the thoughts are coming into your mind, great. If you're nowhere near your golf ball when the thoughts come into your mind, great. As you're coming close to your golf ball, just open up on your filing cabinet. Say, okay, look, I'm just, I'm just going to put you in here for just a couple of minutes. If you want to come back out after this shot, no problem. But I'm just going to put you in here for while I played this shot. It's to kind of help them decompartmentalize and then they play the shot. And if they all of a sudden they hit a great shot and there's maybe a crowd because it's the big event and that kind of comes all back in, have the thoughts again. But have them working on processing the thoughts and making peace with the thoughts as opposed to don't think that, don't do that, don't go there. We're human. Let's go there, but just be able to put it away for for that time being. And I think because that's the... If you're playing well, well, you're going to, that, that's a good sign. If you're nervous, it's a good sign that you're playing well because no one's ever nervous over the final put if they're 12 over par. No, they're and not. They're, <laughs> Trust me, I've got some recent uh, experience of, yeah. of that. Yeah. Uh, listen, Ed, we didn't want to put you to work. We just wanted to say hi and acknowledge that you've been one of our favorite guests. We've had such good fortune to meet a wonderful group of people, yourself included. And uh, one of the things that we're going to be working on, I know that you and I have been talking about it, but as we continue in this podcast, is to how do we get people outside of their comfort, whether that's good or bad? Because sometimes people are just comfortable being an 18 handicap, and they could be, as you said, your friend, he could be a 10 handicap, but there's a comfort around your usual game, and how do we break through that? Yeah, and I think a lot of that comes back down. That's a great question because I think we have that in all walks of life. The vast majority of people will are able to, they, they get to their teenage years and they're, they're able to run. Great. And we can all run sufficiently to be able to play a few sports and do whatever. But if you want to run in a way that's competitive, well, then the, the run that you have is probably going to need a little bit of work. So in the exact same way, if you golf and you want to golf from a social perspective, like my dad golfed all his life, loved it. And when he retired, he got three, four, five times a week, loved it. He never improved his handicap because it wasn't really about that for him. Right. And, but it's so, but if, if it is that for you, if it is that space of, well, I'd love to get down to 12 and I'm off 18, or I'd love to get to silver fi- fi- single figures if I'm off 12, I'd love to get to nine and if I'm five, I want to, then then as you had, you said yourself, you've got to be prepared to go outside your comfort zone. And the biggest spot for that is what are the, what are, you know, I'll often ask someone, when you go and do a, pra- a bit of practice, do you practice first of all? Yeah, I do. I, I love to practice. Great. So what do you practice on? What I tend to find is the people who practice and they don't improve that often, they practice on the things that they're already good at. No, exactly. And they, practice love that. they practice on the things that they like. So what I'll say to them is, okay, well, if that's how you currently practice and you're not improving, what are the things that you think you don't, what, what, what don't you like practicing? Oh, I don't like practicing bunker shots. Let's just do, I'd, I have a funny feeling that will be somewhere where you could make big things. Well, listen, Eddie, we, we want to thank you very much for calling in today to wish us well. I don't, we haven't, we got a few other people we want to get to and uh, you and I hopefully will get a chance to connect. Uh, my big tournament's in three weeks, and uh, I know I would like to improve what's been going on lately. <laughs> and uh, always a pleasure talking to you. Thanks, guys. Well done again. Great to chat. Thank you, my friend. Thanks, Cheers. Right. There he is, Dr. Ed Collins. So should I tell you this? You know, it's funny. I, I think it's ironic. You and I have been doing the show now, 100 episodes. By the way, do you think that number includes the uh, the lost tapes? <laughs> no, no, it doesn't. <laughs> the lost tapes. Is this like this is like a Dylan thing at Woodstock recording with the band? Well, do you want to tell people what that is? I those the first couple episodes. It was just like the test run where Howard was going like, hmm, <laughs> he's um, he's eager, he knows a little bit, but can he actually manage himself behind the microphone? Is this actually going to be? So uh, there was a few tests that we had to go through. And, uh, yeah, and to your credit, you went, okay, let's give this a shot. But there was, <laughs> I remember those first, particularly six months, there'd be times where we'd be going along and, and, and I'd say something and you would just swoon. You would just like collapse <laughs> into yourself and go like, oh my God. And I had to get uh, educated on such things as 
Oh gosh, um, and thing, you know, the and well, thing. And the, 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 here's the thing: it's it's less about the particulars, but for me, it was like I've been doing this for forty years. I I I mean, it seems odd, but I am a professional, and here I am. It's like I looked like it was like. All of a sudden, I was. It was like the pro am partner that you play with on a Wednesday. All of a sudden, ah. now he's your better ball partner in the actual tournament. I'm like, what? But you know what? I will tell you. I listened to a little bit of the first episode this morning, and not only are we better because we've been doing it together for three years, but you know, you're the most improved player. You're, you know, you were always broadcast friendly because of your background as a writer and you've been contributing to other people's shows but as you found out when you're in it for reals it's different it's it's a different feeling it's a, a different responsibility you're carrying you know the the weight of your own sort of you know your place in the in the show versus just contributing the odd time you would call in anyway i would say uh you've gone from a uh, solid you know, 18 to 20 handicap to weigh in the single digits. Oh. <laughs> you're not, listen, you're not scratch yet, but you're very close. No, no. Yeah, well, it's, no, it's really been fun. As I said yesterday on, on uh, the Humble and Fred show, uh, folks, we did a little preview about today's show on, uh, on the uh, legendary show, Humble and Fred. And I said, thank you for your patience, Howard. And Fred just, I think he just about coughed up a lung. Oh, no. Fred's <laughs> head snapped back. He's like, he looked at me, patience? I go, shut up. I can be patient sometime. So, um, just do you, do you want to hear the story of the Broken Clubs? Or, uh, yes, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. It's, I've been gripped in the curiosity of this all week. Well... So two of those clubs were my driver and my three wood, and they're 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 handy clubs to have. Yeah, and um, it's just through no fault of anybody. Just I uh, I was you know you know when you go to put your tee in the ground. Well, I, what I usually do is I lean on my driver, sort of lean on it as I'm. I can't describe it, but you know I'm when I tee everybody it. Does it. Yeah, everybody does yeah, it. Yeah, you're leaning on the shaft as you're putting the tee in the ground. So I did that with my three wood on the weekend, and I could hear this kind of, and it was the the oh. tip where where the tip hits the uh, the fairing or whatever that's called. Feral, feral. Thank you. It just snapped, and I was like, "Ooh, that!" I, th I thought maybe because of the the heat, you know, maybe the the epoxy came loose or something. Mm. So no big deal. I had another three wood, and then I was at a tournament on uh, Monday Tuesday at London Hunt, which is. Just an amazing golf course. I grew up a par five from it. I got to tell you, Timmy, that I'd never played there before, and it's, oh, it's the fantastic. It's kind of like the national level, you know, golf course, just not as hard. And but those and, greens are the size of small villages. <laughs> oh man, it's like I, we were playing one of the holes, and I was like, I couldn't see the guys I was playing with for the curvature of the earth. They're just insane. <laughs> I was like, I think I have a rag means nothing. <laughs> I think I have a ninety foot putt. I don't even. I didn't even know that was possible. Exactly. So, same thing. I finish my round on Monday, and I go to the range for a few minutes, and I lean on my driver, and it snaps. Ouch! So now I go to the pro shop. There's a guy there that I knew from back in the old days of the national, and he gave me a a new a new shaft, and I used it the next day. So those were the two accidents. Now. The funny thing is, anyone who really knows me is like, really? Is that the truth? Did you really just pretend? And, and I, I swear it's the truth because there was a third club. Here, look me in the eye. I can tell when people look me in the eye. This is truth, people. So there was, a, there was a third club. Let me just preface it by saying, on Monday, I had my possibly my best tournament round since we started doing this podcast. Wow. And not because of the score. <clears throat> I decided the night before, I've been reading this, I've been rereading this book that Hebron uh, recommended, one of our guests, Michael Hebron, recommended to me and us called Golf from Point A. And I read it in the winter, and I've been rereading it lately, and I was reading it the night before the tournament at the hotel, and I thought, you know, maybe I'll try a tournament where I'm, you know, thinking about free swinging and thinking about the next shot, really giving it my attention and leaving the last shot behind. 
Oh, and yeah. and I had a great. I, I I couldn't tell you when I left. Oh, hang on a second. Hang on. Hi, who's this? Hey, it's uh, Brad Shillette calling. It's Brad Shillette. I, I think your other line has been uh, disconnected there, Timmy. Uh, Brad, one of, this is one of our uh, one of our swing thoughts uh, family. Uh, Brad, we've only got a couple minutes before our break, and I'm telling a, a riveting story about breaking golf clubs. But uh, why don't you just quickly uh, tell us how you discovered the uh, podcast and give us one thing you learned from it? Uh, well, I learned about the podcast just from listening to Humble and Fred. Actually, there you go. So yeah, that was great. And then I huge golf geek myself, so I started listening, and then I started to work with Tim, and uh, so that was fantastic. And one thing I've learned the most out of you guys, um, what would it be? I don't know. I love the Ellen Langer show. Like, that show was fantastic. Almost life-changing. Yeah, it's crazy, huh? Yeah. Uh, I think the biggest thing was competition for getting better, to be honest with you. Okay, Bradley. That's great hearing from you. Thanks for doing us uh, the favor of uh, calling. And also, we really appreciate you subscribing and listening to the show as we do. Yeah, great. Thanks. All right, man. Thanks, Brad. Okay, thanks. See ya. So, Timmy, we're going to go to a break in a second. Then you can recall. Are you calling now? No, I'll wait. Okay. Me, I'm like you, a man of infinite patience. Oh, yeah. So, in this round uh, on Monday at the London Hunt, by the way, I also hit the wrong ball, which I've never done. I hit the wrong ball in the seventh hole of a tournament and had to sink a 35-foot putt for double bogey. But it was a great double bogey. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I was just, I was just, I was filled with lightness and uh, joy. And mirth. And uh, I got to tell you, the score doesn't matter, but I shot 80. And, uh, and I, I left the golf course that day. I couldn't wait to go back the next day because I thought, wow, what a, what a wonderful way to play this game unencumbered by... I didn't even know what my score was, to be honest with you. And it wasn't... So for cool. me, at my handicap level, whatever, I didn't care that it wasn't a, a 74 or 5. I just thought, you know, that was a great a great experience. Hang on. Let me see. Hi, who's this? Good morning, Howard. It's Rudra calling. Rudra Rishi Maharaj. Okay, Rudra, you got 60 seconds to tell us how you discovered the podcast and what's one thing you learned from Swing Thoughts. Uh, well, I obviously discovered it from you and talking to Tim uh, quite some time ago. Uh, I think the best thing that I've learned from Swing Thoughts is patience. Um, you know, don't worry about, you know, you, there's only so much things within your control and you've got to just let go of the things that are outside of your control. Wow. Uh, Rudra says he's learned patience and to let go of things that are outside of your control. Kind of like what we talk about on every single show. That's right. You can't do anything about the last shot. The next one's the one you got to focus on. Well, you're going to love today's show when I talk about breaking clubs and losing my shoe. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rudy. Thanks for calling, pal. Thanks, Rudra. Congrats. Yeah, uh, congratulations on reaching the century mark. Uh, it's uh, you know it's been a few years, but this is a um, a great accomplishment. Well, we appreciate it, and uh, of course, thanks for all your support with Gig Sky on the Humble and Fred Show. And uh, I hope that we'll get a chance to play uh, a little golf this summer. Yeah, I hope so too. All right, pal. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thanks, Take man. care, guys. There you go. Talking about patience. <clears throat> well, people are going to have to be patient. Uh, for the rest of this story, because we have to take a break. All right. All right. So uh, here it is, episode 100, and we'll continue. Uh, it started off with just Tim and I, and now it's a nation, a Swing Thoughts nation. I uh, heard, um, of course, you can download the show on Swing Thought, I mean, on iTunes, and at TSN 1150. We'll be right back. It's raining in the park. Out of the river, you stop and you hold everything. A band is blowing Dixie, double fall time. You feel alright when you hear the music ring. Chord. Uh, 
Welcome back, golf nerds, to Swing Thoughts. This is our 100th episode. Uh, great to be with you, Tim O'Connor, who is uh, quite a lad, quite a fellow. Um, we should the retell the story colors. of the, the first time you oh, and I just, played. I've got to pass on that I've been talking about this show for the past week and a hundred. Some people go, you do this show with Howard, humble Howard? Oh, yeah? He's like a legend. Yeah. And they went, yeah, he is. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, he's like a legend. Not not a legend, but like a legend. Uh, no, what I was own gonna it, say, pal. Own it. We should... Um, <laughs> Well, you, well, listen. I started. When, I can't remember what episode it was when I started calling myself golf spiritual leader, but that was funny. Um, we should before we're done this episode, we should retell the story of the first time we played golf together because it was Absolutely. it was something else. <laughs> but um, you got to finish the story. Okay. So uh, anyway, we're welcome back. We're brought to you by uh, TaylorMade Adidas, uh, Bushnell Rangefinders. I was telling the story of uh, on Monday I had one of the best tournament rounds I've had, and I'm talking about not great scores, but a great tournament experience. I felt free. I've been, you know, I was going from one shot to the next shot without any, you know, regard for the last shot. Anyway, had a great experience. That night, before the second round, I was rooming with my buddy, who's a very fine golfer, and um, we had a great night, went to the banquet. Uh, went back to the hotel, went to sleep early, 10.30, and he went to sleep immediately, and I didn't, and he snores like a a rhinoceros having sex with a manatee while being tortured with a branding rod. Like, I, I, I've never... Honestly, it was like... I, was, I had headphones on, a, a pillows over my head, and uh, it was... I, I'm like, I, should I wake him up and take him to the hospital... Should I sleep in the lobby? Well, funny you say that. So around, I didn't get any sleep for about three hours, and then I went to sleep in my car. I get it. Absolutely. Everyone's At, having a roommate has done it. So 3.30 in the morning, I'm sleeping in my car trying to, and I sort of get a couple hours of whatever that, I'm not even sure if I slept. And so I go to the tournament the next day. I get out of my car around 6 o'clock and go brush my teeth and go to the golf course because we're at... Actually, it was the same day. <laughs> yeah, it was the same day. And I start off, I make, I hit six fairways, six greens in a row. I three-putt the sixth green, and I'm one over par after six holes. But I could just tell I was kind of running on fumes. I'll make this much shorter. By the time the back nine came, I'd had enough. It was, um, oh, to make it worse, the guy that was keeping me up all night is in my group because we both shot the same score the first day. And he's playing great because he's had a great night's sleep. Oh, were you feeling a degree, a degree of mm, resentment? I would say. So with about four or five holes to go, for the first time since I can remember, I basically gave up. Now... I don't like to admit that, but it's the truth. I just did. And I am somebody that reads about this, talks about it. I'm an expert. Well, I'm going to say this. I'm an expert in my own way in this. And yet even I, even I, even with all that knowledge, it didn't prevent me from being too tired and too run down to mentally continue. And on uh, for the third time in about three holes, I pull hooked an eight iron. I'm in the middle of a fairway, and I and I, I missed the green on three holes in a row, and on the third one, <clears throat> all I did, all I did, this I didn't, club. I didn't throw it, I didn't <laughs> smash it in the ground, I didn't throw it against a cart or anything. All I did was I leaned on it just a little. A it, was, little. <laughs> it was so innocent, like. I've done it. I bet you it resembled the letter C. (laughs) Uh, I've done it a hundred times where I just sort of give it a little bit of a lean, like, oh, like I'll show you golf club. But this time, (laughs) this particular time, it snapped. And I was like, oh my God, Howard. Really? Are we back here again? Were you holding were you holding the 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 injured item or did you let it go? I, I, I held I held both ends of the the golf club and I quickly embarrassedly put them in my golf bag because I just put them in there. 
Yeah, that's like that's like when I killed my driver playing with my parents. Same thing. Hide the evidence. Hide the evidence. You know, that's so funny. I couldn't put it away fast enough. I was so embarrassed. And the guys oh, I was exactly. the guys I was playing with, there's I just felt so humiliated and <laughs> and and I gave up. From that point on, I think it just did something to me. And the and I talked to my friend Paul Henrik, who I really think at some point we should have on the show because he's got oh, yeah. this kind of unconventional wisdom and he said, uh because he's the guy who gave me the phrase "big boy pants," and he said, uh, "He said, well, you know, you just spit your dummy." And I said, "What? Yeah. I guess in Australia, uh, a soother is yeah, called a baby. dummy." Yeah. And he said, when he played on the tour there, when a when a pro would start sulking, people would say, "Oh, he spit his dummy." And and Paul said to me, "What happened to you? Is you sort of spit your dummy, but you just didn't put it back in your mouth?" And he said, "The problem is." If you shoot 84 instead of 85, you'll still feel better than if you give up and shoot 85. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. And I, I think that what <laughs> – and you telling that story, if I may, I think that's why our show has continued to grow an audience and done well because <laughs> we'll talk about that stuff. I mean, here's you and I, week by week, we're talking about stuff that could help you know people play better, have more fun, and – you know, so so don't don't identify with your score. Practice patience, detachment, <laughs> all that stuff. We snap clubs and things. And so my quick story is, um, you know, I talk hey, a Timmy, lot about Tim. Tim, just want to pause quickly. Who's on the phone? Uh, hey guys, it's Charles Fitzsimmons calling. Tim, it's Charles uh, Fitzsimmons on the phone. Can you hear him? What? I can. I wanted to call and say congratulations on 100 shows, guys. That's amazing. Well, we appreciate it. And uh, for you people who don't know, uh, Charles Fitzsimmons uh, recently won the Ontario Amateur. He recently won the Canadian University um, Individual Championship. He recently won a tournament at St. Andrews and most recently finished second when I uh, I just looked at the scores this morning, he was uh, leading the Ontario Amateur until the final round. He turned into me and uh, came second. What the hell is going on? Is it all because of the show Swing Thoughts, Charles? Is that what it is? That's been the key to the success, definitely, without a doubt. You know, uh, being able to uh, to get the feedback and articulation from you guys is, oh, yeah. uh, is definitely what made it all happen. <laughs> Charles, answer this question, Timmy. On the way on the way home from London on Tuesday, after I lost my stuff, uh, I was talking to Charles, and I said to him, "I said, Charles, what's the? Because I've played a lot of golf with Charles. I said, what is the thing that has taken you from being an excellent player to a next level player? This is one of the best. I gotta say, it's got to be one of the best." spring summers of golf you've ever had and and what was the answer you gave me what are the things that have helped you go to another level uh, probably just acceptance on the biggest is on the biggest side is just being able to kind of roll with things and 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 roll with the punches as best as i can and uh, being okay with whatever is going to happen well the other thing you said to me was feeling okay with what's ever going to happen and allowing the idea that you might hit a, an amazing shot it could, it's out there the possibilities out there that great things can happen yeah exactly just uh, uh, being open to the good and rolling with the bad and, and uh, you know giving it your, your best in terms of what you need to focus on to, to have a chance to hit a great shot and uh, a lot of times it, it actually works out that way and the other thing that Charles said uh, to me, Timmy, is that these are things that Charles has been working on for several years. And at the beginning of the conversation, you said, these things I've been working on have just started to, I don't know, not become natural. I guess become natural, but you've been, it's not something that just happened overnight, is my point. No, no, definitely. These are uh, hard worked on skills, and, and I think that's important for, for people, you know, your listeners to, to reflect on is that uh, these ideas they take a lot of work just like your golf swing just like you know working on your body physically and, and uh, so it takes a lot of practice and, and uh, reflection and, and growth that way so it's certainly uh, something you can always continue to get better at well I appreciate you thinking of us uh, congratulations on another fine tournament I know you're probably disappointed um, I'm assuming that it's you know, what's the next one for you? The Canadian mid-ams or the Canadian amateur? 
Yeah, the Canadian Am and the Canadian Mid Am are in August. I'm trying to qualify for the USAM, probably US Mid Am. So there's uh, lots of great big tournaments uh, to go, and uh, um, really, really excited, especially for the Canadian Mid Am at Summit in Toronto, which will be uh, really exciting that way. But uh, a really cool part of yesterday, you're right, Howard. Even though just being a little disappointed, but uh, um, a former student of mine with Team Ontario actually ended up winning. So. Uh, you know, it's it's always great to see the the people you've coached along the way to perform well and succeed. So there was a a, a really nice uh, note in yesterday as well that way. Well, and how amazing for you that you a guy you coached uh, won the Ontario Amateur, and another guy you coached uh, myself uh, currently ranks 69th, the 69th ranked senior in Ontario. So that's pretty heady stuff, uh, Charles. <laughs> 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 the uh, the accolades of a lifetime for sure. All right, uh, thank you, Chucky. Thanks, guys. Always uh, Thanks, always a pleasure and congratulations again. Really, uh, really amazing, and I'm sure you've had an incredible impact on a lot of people's lives. So I think you guys should uh, be proud of that. Thank you, son. Take care, boys. All right, buddy. Okay. <laughs> All right. So uh, there's Charles Fitzsimmons. Did you know he finished second in the Ontario Amateur yesterday? Amazing. I did. That is amazing. And uh, speaking of good finishes, um, Sarah Dunning, who plays for the University of Guelph golf team, so she'll people remember she won the national championship uh, on the women's side, the same event that Charles won. And uh, yesterday she won the Ontario Mid-Am. Amazing. So I told my story of losing my stuff there and snapping an eight iron. Uh, what was your uh, recent uh, tale? Oh, that's right. I was I was in the midst of uh, embarking on my story. Of, well, I talk about being in your body and being connected and all that kind of stuff all the time. So yesterday I have a, a team match, and so I you know I had a busy day. I, I get there and I, and I believe the tea time is about three thirty-five, and I get there and I see the guys heading to the tea. And I go, uh oh. <laughs> so I've got about three minutes to to get warmed up. So. I pull up my uh, three wood on the first tee at Blue Springs and just come completely over the top of it, hit the ball with the base of the club and hit it about mm, 60 yards. <laughs> <laughs> and then, so, and then, uh, anyways, made a very nice par, but, uh, and then on the third hole, uh, another same thing, just hit it into the crap. You know, I'm out of the hole immediately. And then I did the same thing on six. I have not hit what one would call a worm burner all year. And in six holes, I do it three times. Wow. I was just like, you know, I was disconnected. I, you know, I, I, I was typically, what happens to me in golf, in life, stuff happens. And I immediately thrust into my head, thinking, thinking, thinking. And I was, it, it took until basically uh the back nine till it was like oh yeah i'm holding on to the club with my hands wouldn't it make sense to maybe just feel what the club feels like and my hands and i started to hit it very nicely but it was just you know really you know three like horrible hit the ball you know on top of it behind it oh my gosh you know, so, I, I, uh, I want people to hear what you said because it's, it's, it's something that I think of all the time playing tournament golf, and I, and I would recommend this for everyone else, is that when things seem to be going awry, one of the lessons that I took away from the second of the, you know, I, I had such a, a different experience on day one versus day two, but when I look back on it now, just what you said, you know, I needed to find a way to interrupt. Yeah when I started going poorly and I need and what I want people to remember is if you connect back to your body now sometimes Tim and I differ about what a person needs in terms of the 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 fundamentals of the swing but I I totally we're we're totally on the same page when it comes to you've got to get back to where you are and where you are is now it's that famous cartoon of uh you know why are dogs happier than everyone else because if you look at a dog's watch it always says now <laughs> And when I realized, like, I look back in that round, I was only one over through six. I was only probably five or six over through 12 when I had my meltdown. And had I just continued to be in the present, you know, maybe I would have shot another 80. As it turned out, the number I shot, again, 85 or 86, didn't matter. What mattered was, in my soul, I knew I gave up. And as but my... Also, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. 
but also you were you were exhausted. And, well, I was going to say that. So, but looking back on it, what I should have said to myself in the golf round was, "You're tired. Yep. You're in a state that's you, I, I'm not in a good place right now. So let's just do the best we can." And I should have been more kind to myself. Absolutely, and and it's like when I hit the like the worm burner off the first tee. I just started laughing, and then my partner launched it out of bounds, and then the other guy <laughs> he launched it out of bounds, and we just were howling, laughing, and you know, and I just knew, like, I didn't bring out my uh, samurai sword to impale myself because I went, you know what? I had no time to transition. I'm still in my work world, in my head, and stuff, and so I gave myself just. You know, kind of eased off in in the same way. I think you did too, knowing like, oh man, I didn't get any sleep. I was trying to sleep in my car. Well, no, car. but I, I'm saying I should have because I didn't. Mm. No, I'm saying yeah, a lesson. You're exhausted. So, you're exhausted. But but that's the lesson I took from it. The yeah. journaling I would do if I if I journaled would be you verbalize the next time that happens. I I need to recognize quicker that you know I don't know what I thought was going to happen that second day, but. The way I started was not the way... It was the dream start to a tournament round. But for some reason, I didn't... I was just lost in thought and resentment. But you're also tired. And when you're tired, you default to old behavior. Absolutely. So your old behavior was, you know, rumination, think all this stuff through. It's just like Charles just said a few minutes ago. You know, what he's been working on for years, he's finally stepping into. Yep. It, the hard part about this game and the deceiving part is, you know, people think that they can look at Golf Digest, YouTube, Golf Channel, and pick up a tip, turn on the switch, and they're automatically better. No, that doesn't happen. It takes a lot of time, a lot of reps, and and you recognize your own behaviors and go, oh, that's my old me, or that's the way I don't want to be, and you slowly get your reps into this new way of being it it takes time well i can uh, i can tell you that i i was very excited uh from the work i did on monday it felt like no other tournament round even in tournament rounds where i've shot lower scores it was the first time i'd been in that situation where when the round was over i felt like i could play another 18 holes versus on tuesday when the round was over i thought how many times could i punch myself in the face <laughs> exactly but that's so weird eh? is the expectation so i came off playing uh on wednesday at tpc toronto fabulous golf course yeah and i played i had about a couple of holes in the middle that weren't so great but i played really well so i had this expectation you know that that uh, the team match would be great, and I and I just like yeah. I'd lead us to victory, and they they my partner would carry me off in a chariot. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Well, it's funny because I had to go to the golf course on. I had to go golf on Wednesday. Uh, I'd had a men's night match arranged. And I was playing with my uh, the guy that kept me up all night snoring. The guy that also played with me on Tuesday and shot a great round. That guy. Uh, and we played on Wednesday, and I started off horribly again. Like, I literally was, I think I was seven over after five holes, and I was, I could feel in my body, because even though I'd had some sleep, I was still like a little bit of the stink on me, you know, the the sucky, petulant baby stink. And, and, uh, and, I, re and I remember saying to myself about the fifth or sixth hole, I was like, you have a choice now. You have a choice, because I was bo more in my logical brain I said you have a choice right now as to how you want to conduct yourself for the next 12 holes there you and go I, and I said you can and I because I again I've been reading this book rereading this book point A and I said you can start over on every shot you don't have to connect all the dots of yesterday was crappy and today's more crappy and I'm happy to report uh, that I finished the next 12 holes I think I was two or three under par Wow! Oh yeah, awesome. I was yeah. and and I and I'm gonna. I'm, I'm, I know all golfers say I could have, should have, but I was. I think I was two under par, but I I three putted a, a par five for for par. I missed a couple. I could have been four or five under par. My point is just by taking a mental, um, accounting, if you will, I was able to to move it back into a a more sort of. And I felt great when it was over. I felt like oh, I'm energized again. Because there's energy in, in trying. 
Yeah, absolutely. Or just not giving up, staying with it. So exactly. would, would part of what you learned in this book is something I've been working on with clients a lot is people talk about pre-shot routine, but a lot of people don't talk about post-shot routine. Yes. Is it how do you kind of bring a shot to a conclusion? What I mean by is like, so the ball leaves the club face and you watch it and it does something you like or does something you don't like. But then how do you close that? And so I, I was working with a client this week and I said, pick what works for you. But for me, a shot is done when my club hits the bottom of the bag. It is done. I mean, I don't, you know, I try my best to do that. Yep. So that I'm not thinking as I walk down the fairway about that shot. They have. Uh, I just. It's funny you mention it because I had I had bookmarked this part of the book and it said, um, "Here's what solid rounds are built on. Number one, have a plan for thoughts before a shot. In fact, what they say is, think all you want before you go to the golf ball, and then you have to learn how to not think at all." over the ball sing a song or got a problem do something to distract the thinking brain but here's what they say have a plan for thoughts before a shot picture it and commit to it more importantly have a plan for thoughts after a shot notice it accept it and move on And, and when charles says he's been working on this stuff for years that's what he's been working on and and i've been working on it but it just goes to show you if you sleep in your car <laughs> and, and you're tired, you've got to adjust your you've just got to adjust because I could have hit more clubs. I could have hit different shapes. I could have said, you're tired. Let's play to the safe side of this. I could have had a plan, but I didn't. I broke my eight iron. I felt like an idiot. And I said to myself, I'm going to drive home for two hours. I'm going to beat myself up, and then when I get home, I'm done. Not literally. In fact, to tell you the truth, I talked to Charles pretty quickly after the round ended. I talked to my girlfriend. I talked to my other buddy, and I was fine. You know, I was like, I recognize that three hours of sleep in my Acura isn't the best recipe for success. And was it, in fact, sleep? No. <laughs> yeah, not exactly too good, I would think, for the back or whatever else. Not good. Feels. Um, I do want to say in our last couple of minutes here, uh, we do appreciate everyone that supported us. If you would uh, like us on on Facebook, uh, O'ConnorGolf.ca. I finally got that right after 100, 100 episodes. <laughs> um, you can check out the Humble and Fred show. We'd appreciate that. But I noticed that both Tim and I have a new uh, golf crush in, and we haven't really talked about this, in Matthew Wolf. Oh, my gosh, yeah. And uh, I'll just say that, you know, I, I know you put something up on Facebook, our Swing Thoughts Facebook page. The thing I put up was a quote of his. He says, uh, a lot of people think getting mechanical and, and they feel like they have to be in certain places. He says, for me, it's more of a natural movement. I don't really think of things when I swing. I just swing. Very brilliant stuff there. And so counterintuitive to the way the most golfers unfortunately do things they think they need to think their way through it just and, and that's what brooks kepka does and that's what rory mcelroy does they yeah and you could argue oh they got a great swing nah, they, 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 there's no other way to do it to have fun and feel natural than to just swing let it go um we've recommended a lot of books on this show uh, both of us have read a lot. I've recommended your book to people, The uh, Feeling of Greatness, Mo Norman Story. But I can tell you, I'm going away tomorrow, and I am going to reread this book because I will tell you the way I felt on Monday is the way I'd like to feel in golf uh, because the score didn't matter to me at that point. It mattered that I was having a great time, and I felt free for the first time in a long time in a tournament. And I thought to myself, wow, that's going to really shape the way I go forward now. Don't you also think that there's, I think part of also what makes this show unique is we talk about how, how this can affect you off the golf course. So how could that, the message, the key message you took from the book, how could that help you in, you know, doing your business and, and different things that you do? Exactly. Uh, Tim O'Connor, what a pleasure. Looking forward to 100 more, my friend. Yeah, me too, man. It's been an awesome journey, and and, and thanks uh, for bringing me along. And this has really been fun, and everything you bring to it. You're funny man and good golfer and a good guy. Well, I would say uh, all the same to you, and uh, 
And all the best to you and your family. <laughs> all right, kids. We'll be back next week. Um, hey. Yes. Uh, what time do you, I have to leave in 15 minutes. Do you have any more time for a podcast extra or not? Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, let's just continue then. Um, our, on our centenary podcast. I'm not sure if that yeah. makes sense. I think so. You know, um, I, uh, the, the thing that really I was reminded of on Monday and this week with the, uh, this book is that. There, there is they, the reason that Rory McIlroy and Tiger Woods and Kepka and all those guys can hit the ball so well so often. You know, I used to think it's because they had a great swing or they they honed their motion. But if you read this book and Hebron talks a lot about this, you know, you can't. You 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 got to be thinking about you got to trick your brain into thinking about something else while your body just takes care of business. Absolutely. And and it kind of goes to your it goes to your idea of, you know, feel your body, but the fact is it it, it to me that wasn't enough. It's like, okay, well I can feel my body, but what's my brain going to do? And right. um I can tell you on Monday, I like and this is funny cuz Charles and I have played a lot of tournament golf together as partners and in, you know, fun invitationals. And he told me this a couple years ago. He said to me on the way to a course one day, he goes, "Oh, I've picked my song for the day." I was like, what do you mean? Very nice. <laughs> and uh, what he meant, and it's funny because they talk about it in this book, and I was like, oh, yeah, that's what Charles does. He just picks a song that keeps him in between shots, just to kind of like an earworm that, that is either inspirational or, but it's distracting. So on Monday, I had a song in my head, and literally over every putt, shot, drive, and chip, I was singing that song to myself while I allowed my body to just do what it does. I've never chipped better, never putted better in a tournament, never hit shots I wanted to. Listen, my first round was 80 because I hit the wrong ball, which I've also never done. But yeah. I was such in a mode of, well, that happened. Now what do I do? That I, like I said, I, I made a 35-footer for double bogey on that hole and that putt made me just feel like okay now let's go and hit the next shot but there are things you need to do and I think for me it's a big learning it'll be a big area for me to explore which is how do you turn your thinking brain off to let your body do what it needs to do I think so much of it is you can yeah you can there's a bunch of different ways you could do it yeah I love the piece about using a song um some people do, and I think Charles does this. I haven't asked him, but a lot of people do. Is they, when they're putting, they focus on a part of the golf ball, like a dimple where the sun is shining on it, or the, or the uh, you know the T and TP five or something like that. And sponsor plug. Hit, <laughs> <laughs> that makes up for a full paw last week. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> Pro what? <laughs> exactly. Pro Endeavor. Um, so watch the watch the T and TP five or whatever, and let the ball go, and that's their focus, and their body is able to make this amazing swing. I remember putting our uh, university golf golf team through through this drill. Uh, it's called a retinal afterimage drill. Right. They focus on on the ball, particularly some really focused part of it, and they just putt. And the whole idea is to hit the putt, and what else if you watch that piece there'll be like a little dark circle that'll form and it's just a retinal after image and these players on my team are going oh my god this is like magic like they were amazed how well they could putt and the point is is that the body is just doing its thing man in the same way when you're playing catch with somebody let's say you're throwing a football they go on a little crossing pattern you throw it it goes right to them your body figures this out Here's a couple other things from this book that I tried, and, and it was kind of cool. They, they have three or four suggestions or for sort of if you want a thought during the round versus uh, a, a mechanical swing thought. So one of them is think of the swing. And this is, again, these, the, the, the reason Hebron uh, 
recommended this book is because there are there's a couple of the people that wrote it have worked with Michael and with Shoemaker, right? And uh, one of the things they suggest is think of the swing as as a beginning and an end with nothing in the middle. Because what screws golfers up is the middle part where the ball is. But I can tell you, I was playing around with this the other day, and my practice swing swing is just like, I looked at it in the mirror, I'm like, God damn, that's like tour quality. Like all the things I want in my swing are there. Yeah. It's just when I when I try, I interrupt them. So, like, I've done this this week. All my pitches, all my chips, I just think of it as a beginning and an end with nothing in the middle. I've never pitched better. I've never had more uh, distance control. I've never had more tap-ins. I've never had more five-footers left. It's just uncanny, and it's nothing. It, it, it's this, I'm the same guy. I'm just not thinking about the golf ball. I'm just thinking about, okay, once I get set, I go uh, beginning and end. And that's all I do. I just go to the beginning and go to the end. And then, oh, look, there's the ball, you know, yeah. going toward the hole somehow. Yeah, absolutely. Well, the, the, the problem that most people do and you, people at your level, my level, novice, whatever, is that the golf ball becomes the target. Yes. And the body goes, you know, particularly around the, around the green, if someone's got to try a little, you know, a little floppy shot and they got to they they take the club back and the body goes wow that is a long swing just to hit this ball. and it just and the the body stops and the but the club because it weighs so much it keeps going yeah. and it skulls the shot or does something ugly and horrible because we lose the point that it's the target what we should what that's what we need to be connecting to that's and right the ball gets in the way that's a very you know so that's a very easy intellectual concept to talk about very hard for people until they start to really get that sense of I'm it's about going to target that's what it, this is really about and the target is basically what influences you to swing the way you do if you're not swinging in relation to a target your body doesn't really know what to do well that's the other thing and I really noticed it it, it was it was kind of an interesting experiment because I went from having this amazing experience on Monday to the you know, back to the depths of golf bullshit the second day. And I realized <laughs> that what what I was very clear about in the first round was I gave my brain all the, I said, okay, I want to hit it there, brain, body, whatever. And on the second day, on the shots that I mishit, I wasn't very clear about what I wanted to do, even to the point where I went to hit the shot. I still wasn't sure, should I cut it? Hang on a second, hold on. Uh, I think we have some more well-wishers. Hi, who's this? It's uh, Patrick O'Connor from Banff, Alberta. Oh, my gosh. It's pa is this Pat O'Connor, the uh, sibling, the long-suffering sibling of Timothy? <laughs> yes, but we won't go into that side of the family. Pat, Pat, just hang on one second, because apparently now it's a call-in show. Hi, who's this? This is Mark Evershed. Hey. It's Mark Evershed, too. Oh, my. It's too many. <laughs> hey, uh, Pat. Yes. Um, why don't you hold for a second? We're just recording the okay. podcast. Mark Evershed okay. is somebody that yeah. uh, he's probably got to get to a lesson. Hey, Shedzy, what's going on, son? I do, as a matter of fact, 9 o'clock, but uh, but uh, I've got to say some nice things about you, so uh, he can wait. <laughs> okay. Uh, for you people who don't know, and if you don't, you're not a golfer. Mark Evershed is one of this country's finest instructors and uh, a sweet man who has uh, patiently uh, guided both O'Connor and myself over, over many humps and bumps of the golf swing and uh, is currently uh, available for lessons out of uh, his uh, home at Hidden Lakes in uh, wherever the hell that is. Burlington. Burlington. All right, Burlington. Shedzy, what do you want to call? Would you, are you just calling to congratulate us on our 100th golf podcast? Well, I think I can do a little bit more than that. I mean, um, you know, you know, Howard. It, 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 certainly, I'm in more than the mechanics of the golf swing than 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 the mental side. But you know, what I'd I'd like to be able to do is kind of speak to the quality of people uh, that you and Tim are. I mean, um, you know, Tim is becoming legendary with trying to help people things and uh, you have been there you've done that you've walked the walk and uh, 
you know, it, it, coming from somebody that's been there is a whole lot more than somebody that's just talking about it. Well, I thank you, and I and I, I thank you on behalf of Mr. O'Connor. I'll say thanks. Okay. Well, Mark, we appreciate you thinking of us today. It's a uh, hundred episodes. Like I said, we finally broke a hundred, and uh, you know who knows where we'll go after today. Well, maybe uh, maybe one of these days we'll get me on there, and you and I can go at it. Well, you know, we we keep threatening to let that happen, but at some point we got to get if if we do this show and the legendary Mark Evershed doesn't get on it, we have missed the boat, kids. <laughs> Hey, Shed, stay. Uh, you're the best, Howard. I wish you guys all the best. It's great luck, and thanks for helping golfers along. Okay, Marky. Then we'll talk to you soon, okay? Okay, buddy. Okay. Thank you. There's Mark. Bye-bye. How about that? Yeah. That's Mark Evershed, kids. He's worked with real players. Are you still there? He's an amazing guy. Absolutely amazing guy. One of the, one of the legends of Ontario golf. Oh, I would say. You got to know that guy. He's... Uh, now is Pat o- is Pat O'Connor older or younger than you? Younger. Okay, and which and when we only have a couple minutes left, Patty. So what what's your Tim story that you'd like to relay? Is it is when he broke his driver in front of your parents? That's my favorite one. <laughs> no, I, I like the the story that I always remember is that swinging his golf um, practice uh, tool in the kitchen. He dented the stove. And so whenever we went over and saw to to visit in Toronto, it was the dented stove. He couldn't get away from that story. But um, I just wanted to congratulate you guys on the 100th uh, podcast. It's really terrific. I don't get to play a lot of golf out here in Alberta because I I work in the tourism business. And um, so I kind of get my golf fix listening to Swing Thoughts. And um, I just want to say, you know what, the work you guys do, it's – it's so interesting. I don't know uh, to what degree a lot of people, uh, like regular golfers, really understand how how the, the mental side really affects uh, uh, our performance on the golf course. But it's a great joy to listen to your show, and I just wanted to say uh, congratulations to you. Well, isn't that lovely? Um, Thanks, pal. That's awesome. You know, yeah, so Pat's your younger brother. My older brother, David, who has got several degrees in psychology, and and there's a guy with a, you know, a, a great understanding of the human psyche. He does this for a living, and yet as a golfer, he's he gets just as frustrated and discombobulated as the rest of us. And uh, somehow, inadvertently, he's become a fan of the show, too. So uh, we're bringing families together, Pat. Oh, yeah, you bet. Across the country. And strangely enough, he lives in Alberta as well. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I I guess if there's one little thing I can share about the mental side, it is kind of the Zen approach of not trying, or, or as in Zen, it's called right effort. And I always think that when I'm relaxed on the golf course and I'm not really thinking about the game, I play my best. But as soon as I start to push and and grind, so to speak, I end up getting mentally fatigued, and then I don't play well. And I don't enjoy myself either. That's true. Right. What's that called? Right thinking? Right mind? Right, right thinking. Right thinking. Right thinking, right effort. You know, it, it just means to be in balance. Well, you know, why don't we leave it there? Pat, thanks for calling us. Okay. We You're appreciate welcome, it. Guys. Congrats. Say, say goodbye to your brother, for God's sake. See you, Tim. See you in a couple of weeks. Yeah, see you too, bro. Thanks a lot, man. Looking forward to it. You're welcome. Bye. Um, all right. Well, oh, wasn't that it. nice? Isn't that wow. My this. brother, Shedzy. Wow. And, um... Yeah, thanks to Brad and Charles. Uh, Tom Leonowitz called before we started recording. Rudra, Sheds, Pat, Dr. Ed Collins. Um, and thanks to you, Tim. You know, I thought I knew everything. And then after the last 100 episodes, and certainly the last couple of days, I realized I don't know anything. Uh, maybe just a, a couple of things. But I, I am looking forward to seeing what we are like and what golf is like for us in another 100 episodes because I... I feel like I've just started now, 
And uh, as I said to uh, somebody in a note this week after I blew up and lost my shit, I said, it's a, it's a great reminder that just like the physical part, when you think you've got it, the mental part, you have to be ever vigilant and oh, recognize, you know, that hydration and nutrition and rest are also part of the mental side, not just the physical side of the game. Well, your story uh, affirms that we generally have these ingrained behaviors and these defaults, basically this stuff that we go to when we're tired, we're stressed, angry, that you know, and a vigilant, great word, is just like, oh, yeah, I, apparently I'm not cured of this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Apparently and I'm I, not cured of being an asshole just yet. Well, I'm... Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. That's the thing I believe in is 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 that these parts of us that we start, you know, these messages we developed as you know from childhood and these ways of being, all this stuff. This stuff just doesn't go away because you read a book or you you talked to a therapist for thirteen years. These stuff are with us and they keep coming back unless we're we kind of keep them in front of us. If we would go, oh, it's that old piece coming back. Okay, well, you know. When I'm, you know, a little less tired and I can get focused, then I can respond better. But right now, uh, I'm. I remember John Bradshaw, this uh, very famous psychologist who did a PBS series, <laughs> talking about being with his kid and knowing he had to be good. And he goes like, you know, I know the way I should be, but I just not going to do that right now. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great way to fit. I know the way I should be. I'm just not going to do that now. Doing it. <laughs> All right, my friend. Have a great week. Uh, it's going to be a couple of weeks. We've got best of uh, swing thoughts uh, the week or two uh, after this. I think you're going to hear some uh, pretty uh, cool stuff. Uh, until next time, I'll see you soon, O'Connor. See you, man. Yeah, 100 see. more. Yes, brother. Bye-bye. Bye. Band is blowing Dixie, double fault.